thumbs up. Welcome everybody to the one to go show presented by Dirt Track Supply. And this is a very special episode as, as you can see, we're all back in the house. So welcome back, Bert. <laughs> it's good to see everyone. Hope you all had a good 4th of July. Yeah, we sure, I sure did. Uh, Brenda and I, we went down south. We went to Arkansas. And you know what's crazy is we were driving home last night and they had a race. I don't remember. It was in Lincoln, the Hell Tour. And, oh, and, yeah. I, and Jeff actually texted me. He goes, here's the feature lineup. I'm like, well, heck, I'm going to turn that on while I'm driving. Probably not real smart, right? I had it off to the side. So I asked Brenda, I'm like, where's Lincoln? We were like 20 minutes from there. I'm like, well, crap, we're already past it. If we would have been close, I might have stopped in and caught the feature, but we already buy it. So I should have been paying a little bit better attention. Yeah. So episode 87, uh, you know, this is a tough one for me, to, but I, I thought of someone. Bert, uh, did you come up with somebody number 87? Uh, yes, uh, Ron Figlinski. He raced mini stocks. Uh... IMCA Modifieds and Late Models at Toronto Speedway, well, Northeast Wisconsin. So, yes, Ron Figlinski, he actually did race. He would, uh, I know a couple of times he would uh, put Wasota tires on the car and race in the Wasota 100 in the Modified Division, I believe, a couple of times also. And before we get too far in this episode, I need to dispel some rumors that are going out there that uh, I had a listener ask me if Puka fired me. Uh, no, Puka did not fire me. Um <laughs> I just we all got other... a good laugh out of that one. <laughs> I just had some other things to do working on full throttle and stuff, so I just didn't have time. So uh, uh, it's good to be back on the show, though. <laughs> good to have you, got... for sure. Do you yeah. have any good stories about that guy? I mean, you've been going to the races for years. I mean, does anything stick out, uh, a story you might have? Um, no, I can't think of any good stories about him. Um, you know, he was one of the, especially when he raced late models, he was one of those uh, low buck racers, you know, showed up every week to race and, you know, just wanted to compete against, uh, you know, the top dogs in the division. So, uh, you know, you always root for drivers like that. Absolutely. I was one of those guys. <laughs> so, so Puka, who do you have? I'm going to let you go first. I got the veteran Rick Cox out of Thunder Bay, Ontario, number 87. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know when he threw in the towel. I know he was racing in the late nineties there. Maybe he made it to 2000, 2000 ish, but um, so yeah, that's who I got. Who you got? See, I, I'm glad I let you go first. Cause I would have said that one and then you would have been out. Right. So now a little Rick Cox story. So he still comes to Hibbing. Of course he's from Thunder Bay. The borders have been closed. Hopefully knock on wood, right? Hopefully they're going to be opening up soon, but he actually is good friends with Don Hankey and Don Hankey and my parents have a booth together or one of them uh, parking spots, and that's where he sits. So, you know, kind of miss all them Canadians coming down. I mean, we've got a lot of Canadians come to the Hibbing Raceway and all of our northern tracks. So I'm going to go a different route. I'm going with John Hinkemeyer. Now, you've probably always known Hinkemeyer as 1A, right? Yeah, 1A, right. But before that, he had a black and pink 87. I remember that car, and everything was all chromed out. So he was 87, and then he started running the 1A cars, but that was a long time ago. I think that might've been right when affordable started or maybe when they just got it. <clears throat> but John Hinkemeyer, his kids racing, Jordan Hinkemeyer, he won a feature here a couple of weeks ago, but of course, John and Joe, they own affordable chassis and uh, they have a lot of wins coming out of that place. So 
John Hinkemeyer's, who I have. And, you know, speaking of Dirt Track Supply, you mentioned that's our, our sponsor of the show. A couple winners there this week again, Puka. So I'm looking at it here. Jeremy Castro out west, he got number seven on the year. And Andy Rosso, he doubled up this week. And he won, I believe it was at Huron on Thursday. They had a Thursday race at the Dakota State Fair Speedway. And then he won Friday at Aberdeen. And I talked to him. He says, man, I should have had another podium for sure on Saturday. And he broke a ball joint, but Aero Nation looking really good. So uh, let's get to it. Any Anything that you want to add there before we jump off? Talk a little bit about the folks over at Dirt Track Supply. Yeah, we just want to thank them. I and as you, you know, we, they've been with us for a while now. And, you know, biggest thing is the shipping daily everywhere. So, you know, you don't need to be in South Dakota or, or on the North Dakota border, or on the Minnesota, North, uh, South Dakota border. They'll ship anywhere. Get a hold of Trevor. He'll take care of you. Like I said, we've talked about him many times here. So um, with that, yeah, let's uh, let's get into the show. Let's get into uh, um, a little bit of, of jackass and around, Ryan. You want to get right into it this week. <laughs> let's get right to the donkey award. This is my favorite part right here. So I don't know if you guys saw this on Facebook, but we've talked about this guy before, Chris Martin, who's Parker Martin's dad. Okay, remember he got, he got booted. I think it was at Volusia. He got into it with uh, Casey Schumann. He got booted. They've had all kinds of drama over at Cochrane Speedway in Georgia. Back at it again. So they had a $10,000 to win race this weekend. And I, what I read, okay, what I read on Facebook, and I tried to get a little bit more info here, is the night before, he's like, man, the crowd is really light. The, the attendance ain't very good. We're going to struggle to pay the purse here. Like he was belly aching publicly about this. Well, the next day, they DQ'd the top three. Now, I don't know what they were DQ'd for. I tried to find that info, but from what I read, it's, it was all kind of ticky-tack stuff. I get it. A rule's a rule. I get it. Whatever. Now, typically speaking, if you DQ a driver, I don't care if it's first, fifth, 18th, right? Everybody moves up a spot, okay? Sure. So if the top three get disqualified, well, fourth place is your winner. He didn't pay out the top three spots. Fourth place, still got fourth place money, Right. And so you look at that at 10,000 win, so it's 10,000 to win, probably five, six per second. I bet he saves $15,000, $18,000 by not paying out the top three, and people were just pissed off. So I've never seen that before. I mean, we've seen people get disqualified for ticky-tack stuff, but at least they pay the next guy, right? So unbelievable. Have you guys ever seen anything like that before? I mean, that's like – that kind of, to me, is like theft in my mind. Go ahead. Oh, I, I – I agree. I mean, you know, if, if you're going to have a race and, and this is the first for the top three positions, well, for the whole field, um, yeah, if he DQ the top three, the next three should move up. I mean, that was always one of my uh, gripes with NASCAR is they would disqualify somebody, but they would get to keep their, their spot. They would just lose their points and stuff like that. Um, if you're DQ'd, you're DQ'd and the next guy moves up a spot. That's yeah, I have, I, say, I have seen anything like this. That's crazy. Yeah, so so Chris Martin, congratulations. You're the number one jackass of the week right there. So now, did you guys see what happened over at Pike County this week? Now, do either, first of all, do either of you know where Pike County Speedway is? Do you know? No. It's, it's got to be. If I had to guess, it'd be Mississippi. Yeah, I think it's down south. We'll have to look that up. So Pike County Speedway. So there was an incident. And I don't, I, I tried to look back to find the video of what happened, but apparently it looked like a street stock type division. A couple cars got together and 
it sounds like maybe it was the dad or a pit guy or something run out on the racetrack. This guy's pissed off. Like he's going to, he's going to let this driver have it. Okay. So first of all, let's just be clear. If you run out on the racetrack, like during, I mean, they weren't racing. It was under yellow, but if you run out on the racetrack, your driver's disqualified. You're an idiot. Don't run out on the racetrack. Okay. Second of all, don't try to attack a race car. Okay. Cause a race car, I heard, I heard the rumors, but I think they'll always win. Right. <laughs> Pretty good odds. Well, this guy looks to me a broken leg and a dislocated ankle. What a jackass. I mean, come on. Donkey award number two goes to this guy. I don't even know who it is, but we played the video here for you. Have you guys seen, I mean, I've seen some stupid stuff. No, that may, that brings me back. I mean, obviously the first thing that comes to mind to me, the Tony Stewart incident, right? You know, the, the, yes. the incident up in oh. Pennsylvania, the driver ran down and be it as it may, whatever happened, that driver ended up dying. And they actually made rules. There were several rules and it was talked about after that. If you go out on the racetrack and the cars are on the track, your guys disqualified, go home. We ain't having any of it because they don't want to see something like that happen. Well, evidently they forgot about that. They now it's kind of you seeing it. It's more and more common. I've seen all kinds of crazy stuff over the last year. But what's the craziest thing you've ever seen with somebody running out on the racetrack and, and just going bonkers? Have you seen anything like that? Um, not running out. To the racetrack going bonkers the craziest thing i saw crossing the racetrack during a race was the tom nesbitt deal at the punky manor one year when he crossed in front of the cross tried to go from the infield to the pit area inside the track to the pits outside the track and uh, apparently he said somebody sent him across and it was right as a race was starting and that was not a good good incident brady smith hit him wide open yeah. Were you at that race? I, I was there, yes. I was racing a late model. I wasn't very fast that night. I can remember okay. that. But I was there in a late model. I was a couple of heats after that one. Yeah, I, I was at that race. And actually, one of my friends started right next to Brady Smith in that race. So okay. he missed it. I mean, <laughs> um, so he got lucky. But yeah, that was a bad deal because the helmet came flying. He must have had the helmet on the deck and the helmet came flying out. And you didn't know what was going on at that point oh that was that was scary puka any what, what comes to mind for you well what comes to mind is that video that we possibly shared on the show in about november where gosh that guy ran out i'm trying to picture it again he ran out or pit members ran out and then they got on a fight on the track remember and a guy knocked i think he knocked out two guys you know and, and was in corner one and two remember that and they kept you yeah. know and that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. So yeah, it's uh, emotions can get running high at a racetrack. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I've seen a lot of it. I've never ran out of the racetrack. I've maybe gone down to somebody's pit area. I remember a deal um, in Proctor. Lauren Inman got wrecked by somebody and he carb stomped somebody. He jumped on the hood of his car and jumped up and down on his air cleaner. You know, a good thing the guy didn't take off. But I've seen some crazy things. But rule number one, don't try to attack a race car. It will win every single time. Don't do that, right? So now that leads us to the fan question of the week, right? So Jay asked me, he goes, and, and this is actually brought to you by Shane Howe and Cowboy Up Racing. Now, Shane Howe won another one, guys. He won in the Midwest Mods down at Deer Creek. And if you haven't had a chance to watch that, it's on Race and Dirt, but there's also some clips on Facebook. 
It was a three wide deal the last couple laps. And then there was a restart and he held off the guy, but it was a really good race up front. So another win, but what's cool about it. There's a clip. If you type in rate, I think race and dirt or maybe deer Creek speedway, you'll find it. You have to look at the victory lane celebration from good old cowboy. There ain't nobody that does a better victory lane celebration than this guy. I mean, it's freaking awesome. I mean, because I'm so sick of people getting out, hey, I won, you know, and they just kind of do that. Yeah. Guy, like, dude, he like, he like, he in victory lane, he told the announcer who's a gal, I told you if I win and you're down here, I'm making out with you. And you agreed. And she's like, if the is right there, that's okay. You need permission. And the lane went on or right there in victory lane. I'm like, oh my no God. way. Yeah, he did. It was awesome. It was awesome. And the crowd gets all into it, you know. But that's what it needs. We need these personalities, right? So the question came from Jay. What was with the teching at the Gondekla Speedway this past week and at the border battle? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Because I was down in Arkansas. I was kind of removed from this. And he filled me in. So, guys, here's what happened. Okay. <clears throat> so top five comes across the, across the scales, right, because the top five go to tech. And they measure the deck height, which the rule in the Wasota rule book for the modifieds, Wasota modifieds now 38 inches. Okay, now I'm not 100% sure if they measure that in the middle on the left rear. I'm not sure where they measure it, but it's 38 inches. So they measure first, they measure second, they measure third, they get to fifth, and fifth place is like, hey, you're good. You're 38 inches. Go back to your scale. The top four, we need to look at yours again. The top four, all of them were high, and I'm talking an inch, yeah. and some of them as high as two inches. So the cars are high. Now, let's be honest, more, more slope gives you more downforce. It's an advantage. Now, the argument, so they call with soda, okay? And they're like, Billy, what do we do here? He's like, you got to disqualify, okay? This is a story that I was told. This is per sources. I tried to get a little bit more information from all sides, but not everybody answered the phone. So this is the sources I have. Billy says, hey, you got to disqualify him. They get on the phone with the tech guy, and the tech guy's like, look. I don't know what to tell you, but the top four, we can't disqualify four people. He goes, I bet half the cars here are illegal, right? Well, Billy's like, a rule's a rule. You got to disqualify them. I remember out west, they're disqualifying people for too much roof rake. What's the yeah. difference? Rule's a rule. Now, I don't find, I mean, I think the rules may be outdated, perhaps. I mean, if all if all the cars are built that way, I get it, you know, but clearly they're not because some are legal, right? And it is an advantage. I mean, there's a reason why they only allow so high of a spoiler there's a reason for it right because more air on the deck puts more downforce gives you more more traction there's a reason for it so they're the chassis builders are doing this for an advantage okay you know they can tell you all they want oh that's we, we have to build it that way no they don't i mean it, it is what it is. it's been going on for years so i'm gonna let you guys weigh in you know kind of on your thoughts and then then i got a couple more things i'm gonna add to this but that's what happened so needless to say they let them all go. They didn't disqualify anybody. Nope, you're all good to go. Wait, 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 wait. What? Yeah, they did nothing about it. Yep, the track, the track. I shouldn't say the track. I can't say the track because, and, and I'm not even going to put this on Chris Stefan because it was an FYE event. FYE rents the facility. So, the, first of all, the Gondic Lost Speedway was not running the event. Right. They, they, so, they had no say. FYE was running the event. But I don't know that Chris even had a say because the tech guy, I think, makes the ultimate decision. And I, I believe that he says, whatever you think will go with that. And he just, he let the tech guy do his job from what but, I understand. But, but is the tech guy Belfi's dad still? 
Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, and he uh, was what second led some lash Ashley. Yeah. So does that play into this? You know, I, you know, he's a friend of mine, so I'm gonna get myself in trouble, but you know, <laughs> I guess there's some perception thing here. Right. So, you know, that was a question that was asked to me was, you know, is it because Jody got second they would have had to DQ him? I mean, if Jody would have got third and first and second were both illegal and Jody's was good, would they have DQ'd the top two? He got the win. I don't know that answer. We can all speculate all day long on that, but it sure looks bad, right? It sure looks bad when, when he's one of the four that was illegal and are most of them illegal. Yeah, probably. But I mean, quite honestly, I mean, if, if, you know, half the field out there is doping tires, are the tech guys going to say, well, hey, everybody's doing it, not a big deal. Right. Go. Or, hey, we're running 406s now. It's, uh, we got a 362 cubic inch limit. Well, I tell you what, like half the field's got 406s in there. You know, let's just, I mean, it is what it is. There's <laughs> got to be a rule. There has to be a rule. Now, I don't, maybe the rule's outdated. Maybe the number needs to be higher. I don't know that, right? I don't know that. That's not my, above my pay grade here. But there has to be a number because if they're not going to disqualify you for illegal deck height, why not come out next week with one of those like Charlie Schwartz wedge type deals where you just have, I mean, the deck height all the way to the you know top of the roof. Why not? If they're not going to disqualify you for two inches, shit, let's just go with eight, 10, 12 inches. At some point, there has to be a number. Does the rule need to be changed? I don't know. Okay, maybe. And if it does need to be changed, change the rule so that it fits what everybody else is going on. Because the cars look pretty cool now. You know, and I think, I mean, that's kind of the, the look everybody's looking for. You know, if, if that's the case, change the rule. And if they're not going to change the rule, then you got to start disqualifying people. And if you're not going to disqualify people, don't even have a freaking rule in the rule book. So, you know, it's one of those areas where, I mean, I hate ticky-tack rules. I do. But I also have raced long enough to know that there is an advantage to be had by having more downforce on your deck. That's an advantage. Also looks cooler. It does. But at some point, they have a rule in there because it, the line has to be drawn somewhere. And if they're going to disqualify people for wheel openings and wheel stickers and all that, you, you got to disqualify them for that. I was uh, I was a little took back by that. It kind of kind of made me scratch my head. Bert, you know, what's your thoughts on this whole deal? This is your first time hearing about it. Um, yeah, and my first thought is, was this show for National with Soda Points? Yep. Okay, see, that's my issue is if, if you're racing under one sanctioning body with tracks in the Dakotas all the way to Wisconsin, the drivers are expecting that all the drivers are going to be created or treated equally. But if some tracks are enforcing rules and some tracks aren't enforcing the rules, how fair is the, how fair is the point standings? How fair is the, you know, how fair is everything if, Wissota doesn't have the ultimate say in that, and the tracks go rogue and do whatever they want. You know, and, and that brings or, me. Back. Or it, I should but, clarify in this case, it wasn't the track. The track it, did not put correct. on this show. Correct. So that brings me back a few weeks ago. You know, I kind of complained a little bit about there was like four people, I think, in the Midwest mods out west. And I don't remember, I think maybe it was Sheridan. It was way out west, one of the west tracks. And they just they disqualified, I believe, four Midwest mods for too much rake in the roof. Now, if you go to a wind tunnel, I'm not an expert, but I can tell you this much, that the decking has more impact than the slope of the roof does. 
you know, so yeah. I, I do know that much already. In fact, you're better off concaving and letting the air, air come back down to the, to the spoiler. That's more of an advantage. So, I mean, you see that. And I remember back with Soto One Hunters, they used to have pre-tech. They probably still do. Been a while since I've been to one. But we'd race all year long, right? And then we'd get to the Wasoda 100 and we'd go through pre-tech. And next thing you know, they're like, well, your wheel wells are, are wrong and this is wrong and that's wrong. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, you've been my tech guy all year. Right. Like, you're, you're telling me this now? It's the middle of September. So is that going to happen at the 100? Or we're just going to let them go, let them go. They get to the 100 and everybody's got to change everything. No. You, you, gotta, you either enforce the rule or you change the rule or you get rid of the rule, okay? So a jackass award, a donkey award goes to the, the whole situation there. I don't know who made the ultimate decision here. I don't know if it was the tech guy. I don't know if it was FYE. I don't know if it was the track. I don't know if it was Wasoda. But collectively as a group, this is a bunch of BS, right? Because that fifth place car from my sources that hit 38 inches. That right. should have been the winner, according to the rule book. Well, what's what's uh, it would be interesting to see what, what Billy does, Engelstead. I mean, he's going to have to do something or he's going to have to make a comment. Or like you said, it's just going to be a free-for-all. Yeah, I would imagine there'll be something in all the dirt. There'll be a press release. Like, they're going to come out with something. Now, I've seen a lot of times where if Wasota says you have to do something then and then you don't, then bam, the, the track gets fined, right? Now, in this deal... Who, who would they find? You can't find the Gonda Claw Speedway. They rented out the track. It wasn't even their show. You know, I don't know what part of it Chris Steffen played. I, I'm imagining that he probably didn't have a part in that deal. I don't know that for sure, but it's interesting. It's just, it's one of those deals where, you know, rules are rules. You got to follow the rules. And if you, if you don't follow the rules, you're disqualified. And I actually talked to uh, John Tardy today. And I, and I said, John, what's yours? And I told him about this. He hadn't heard nothing about it. He worked this weekend. And I said, what's, what's your deck height? He's like, I have no idea. You know, because, and that's how most people are. You know, you buy your car from the chassis builder, whatever chassis it is. And there was, I don't know if they were all the same. I think there was a couple different chassis brands in the top four. I'm not positive. I know who was first and second. But the fact is, you know, most people are like, well, heck, my car's done. Body's on it. Deck's on it. I'm just going to race it. I mean, they ain't, they ain't building their own cars. So he's like, I have no idea. So the first thing he's doing when he gets back to the shop, he's going to measure that because if I know Billy, he's going on a rampage this week, right? <laughs> he'll, be, he'll be measuring people's stuff, say, and there will be uh, somebody's going to pay the price. So they better be paying attention. So if you're a mod guy or super or anything, if your deck height's too high, you better take a look at it because I just have a feeling that, uh, there's going to be some stuff happening here this week for sure. Well, th this is a great time for you all to comment. Let's hear your comments on, you know, what you think happened, what you heard happened, and not only that, but going forward, what you think is going to happen and what kind of enforcement should be done. I mean, I mean, I guess it's too late to disqualify people now. And quite frankly, it's not there. I mean, they let them go. It's not their fault. You know, it's not like Eldora where they quarantine the cars for 24 hours. So this is a great chance for you guys to get in here. Let's hear some of those comments. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you say we get to the national scene here? And we'll start with some late model action. You know, and uh, I know you guys, there was a couple Lucas Oil Dirt late model races this weekend. What stuck out to you guys this weekend? Go ahead, Bert. Actually, I didn't get a chance to see any of the, the national late model stuff. So go ahead and well, give your take. Well, a couple things is, is uh, Bronson. So Bronson's had a great, like about last month, you know, he kind of 
started heating up at the dream five top tens in his last six races. So, um, you know, he's, he's really, you know, coming around. And the other thing with T-Max, so T-Max started in the front row, both races. And it just started, I guess it occurred to me finally that here's, this guy's a veteran, you know, Bert, especially you remember with the bleached hair, he came on the scene, I believe in 06, he won the championship and he was rookie of the year. I believe if I'm remembering things right. So he was, he was kind of the kid, like I said, he had the bleached hair. He was a young guy. He had his funky personality. He was always tapping the roof when he came out with the clapping like this. It was kind of his trademark. And of course, then he goes from Wu. He moves to Lucas for a couple of years. He's still in the red and, and yellow car. And then now he's been in the blue car with the mega plumbing. And so I don't know if things got kind of lost over there. I mean, he's probably been in Lucas for about the last five years, but all of a sudden it's kind of like, yeah, like he's, he's the vet now, you know, he's not Bobby Pierce. You know, he's not Tyler Herb. He's, I don't want to say old guy because we're about the same age, but he, you know, he's, he's kind of in the groove. He's in his peak years, I guess is what I'm, I'm trying to say. And it really just kind of hit me, but um, you know, a couple of good runs, a second and a first for him. Like I said, JD took the first night Friday and, and T-Mac pretty much dominated Saturday night. Did you get to see any of it, Ryan? I watched just a little bit of the highlights and, and the thing I have. So he's the point leader, right? T-Mac's the point leader right now. And JD is third right in points he missed tonight actually no he he, it's he's so t-max 160 points ahead of a tied jd and devin moran so they are now tied tied. 160 points back unbelievable yeah after mia earlier in the year for jd right that that is crazy so he's already back in the hunt i mean in one bad couple bad nights for t-mac now that's going to bring us all the way to the end of the year where there's choices to be made right does he go to Knoxville to the Lucas race, right? Or does he go down to Texas to the 50 grand to win deal? So that's going to be an interesting thing to see, you know, what happens over the next month. Yeah. And what the way he's running, I mean, you talk about an easy cherry pick for 50 grand to go down to Texas. I mean, if he goes to Texas, unless he breaks, he's going to victory lane. What do you think, Bert? (laughs) Well, that's probably a fair assessment, but yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, now, the point standings right now, is that with that race early in the year figured in? Did they make up that race already? Well, or are they going to make it up? Yeah. yeah. No, they haven't made it up yet. Okay. So will that impact the points? So technically, is he further back if you would figure that race in? He wasn't at that one, was he? Correct. He wasn't okay. there at all. Yeah, so that's interesting. Now, he, maybe he's knocking on wood that maybe it just rings out again, right? And then they just don't get it in. So, I mean, that could happen. That potentially could happen. So, you know, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. So, technically, he would be a little further back if that race happens. Um, but, you know, with that, I mean, because there's a pretty good amount of show-up points, too. I don't know how it works for Lucas, mm-hmm. but that show-up points is a big deal. So, there, there is that left up. I guess it'll have to play out and we'll see what happens in another month. We'll have to see where we're at after that race happens. So, yeah, I, I'm sure he'll assess the situation at that time and, and make the call where the money is. I, I, I mean, with, that, all, with all he's raising, he could be in first place by Knoxville. He could he really could. Another, another interesting thing is, is you see him, right? He's racing all kinds of different stuff, right? But T-Mac, he's leading the points and I don't really see him racing really any shows other than Lucas right so to me that's weird you know and uh, I mean because when you get on a hot streak you kind of want to keep rolling keep that momentum going 
You know, it's kind of like Ricky Weiss, not that he has a hot streak. That's like the polar opposite, <laughs> but he's only racing world. <laughs> we don't see him anywhere else. Uh, so, sure. you know, it's kind of interesting to see that them guys aren't racing like on their off weeks, trying to hit another 10 grand to win, five well, grand to win. T-Mac did race last night, but he actually was leading, blew a tire. Uh, what was the name of that race? Let me look here. I got something in my notes here. The Becky USA 100. Flat tires went to T-Mac while leading, then JD while leading, then Herb while leading, and then Zach Dome took home the 20,000. So well, there was a I, don't, I, yeah, I didn't even know about that one. Where was that at? Yeah, I don't even know where it was at. I didn't get the track. I just was listening to some stuff and, and came across that, and that, that's why I kind of hit the radar was three flat tires of three first-place racers, so Zach Dome inherits the lead and wins. But, yeah, so Tyler Herb in the hunt, of course, JD in the hunt, and, of course, T-Mac in the hunt. But, yeah, three flat tires give Zach Dome the big 20K win. That's a nice payday for Zach Dome there. So the Hell Tour, that's something that's been going on too. Of course, there was no World of Outlaw late model racing this past weekend. The UMP Dirt Car Summer Nationals, you know, they had, what was it, five or six races this past week. They had a nice kind of Yeah, five races Wednesday on, yes. Yeah, and Brandon Shepard, who's been really cold all year, finally got a couple wins here the past week. I watched a little bit of that. You know, first of all, you know, did either of you, I, I know, Bert, you said you didn't watch that, but Puka, what stuck out to you on the Hell Tour races? Well, this week, the big thing was that Route 66, I believe that was Wednesday's race. That was technically, well, technically night 12, but it they'd rained out a few times, so it wasn't, it was actually night nine. But, you know, we've talked about the smaller tracks, the action. This was like a big half mile, and this was in Joliet. And I don't know if this track is near or was on the property with the NASCAR track. That's where the NASCAR track was, Joliet. It looked like it because it had the big grandstands, like stadium type seating. But yeah, just a you know a big track. Herb with his Herb with the win, his thirty second win, which of course you know number thirty two. So kind of his. Would you call that a golden win, like a golden birthday ride? Golden win. Something? We'll call it a golden win. Right? Golden win. You know. And then in the interview, of course, he says, "I got to miss tomorrow because it's my sister's wedding." So he had to miss Saturday night and then back in action on Sunday. Uh, other than that, oh, no, then Tanner English ran second. And I was going to ask both of you, you know, kind of what your thoughts are on, on Tanner English. You know, is, is this a guy that maybe some of our, our viewers don't know a lot about? You know, he's, he did some Lucas stuff, but, you know, he's committed to this summer nationals, it looked like, and he's making some noise second in points. So, Bert, maybe I'll turn to you first. Your thoughts on Tanner English this year? Um, well, um, he was uh... – he got in some trouble earlier this year in uh, Lucas Oil Series with uh, uh, the results of a tire sample that came back. And so when Lucas punished him, you know, that put him behind the eight ball as far as points and everything like that. So it doesn't surprise me that he's, you know, racing these races. And honestly, it might be better for him for his career, you know, get some wins, you know, get some good experience racing these different tracks. And you know, then he can take another shot at a national series. Um, you know, I've always liked Tanner English. Uh, you know, I think he's a good driver. And uh, so it's good to see him doing well in the, in, on the Hell Tour. You know, absolutely. And it's a nice addition because quite honestly, you know, when you think back to the Hell Tour 20 years ago, it had a big following, right? And, and now it's been over the last few years, it's been kind of watered down, not as many, I mean, there's some really good late model guys in Illinois, but you really didn't see much other than that, right? You know, so it's nice to have them in. Now, what does he drive? Does he have a rocket? Is that what he runs? I believe so. Because one thing that stuck out to me too, so 
didn't first of all i'll go back to him didn't he win the rookie of the year in the lucas oil late models was it last year or the year before i'm not sure what year but yes he did win the rookie of the year one year yeah it was in the last two years i feel like it was 2019 but I, I, it might have been last year actually but so it's nice to have him in there you know and then i don't think there's any long marks, right you look at the national late model scene and like right now, you look at, you know, the top guys are in Longhorns. I don't think there's any Longhorns that are like in, in the top tier drivers in the Hell Tour, which I thought was extremely interesting. I know there's quite a few um, Rockets and there's actually a pretty good number of MBs in that deal, but there I didn't see any Longhorns. So I thought that was interesting. And it's I like Wazoda. Can't, can't, can't find what, two or three Longhorns in all Wazoda. Yeah, you, and which is kind of weird, isn't it? Because you look at how many, how many races are winning, you know, in World of Outlaw and in Lucas Oil, you'd think there'd be more of them out there, but there's not, which is kind of baffling to me. Now, like I said, the numbers have been kind of watered down. So let's talk about this, right? Because I really enjoy the Hell Tour. I like the old Hell Tour, right? Where it was like, bam, right in a row. Yeah. And I mean, you know, like uh, Ruben, who is an amazing announcer, he makes that deal so much better because he's so energetic and knowledgeable and passionate behind the mic. I mean, he does a great job, but he talks about it being one of the most grueling deals, right? And it's really not anymore because you get four or five races, you get a couple of days off, you get, you know, so I mean, yeah, it's still a lot of racing, but it's not like it was when it was like basically every night except for two or three. What, what changed that in your guys' mind? Well, I want to, I'll start. I, I just, yeah, I just kind of want to bitch about it. You know, I, like I said, this was, you know, the summer nationals was the summer nationals. There was nothing like it back to back, whatever. 20, I mean, you know, it evolved from the eighties, you know, it was no, no matter what though, it was however many races, it might've been 36, might've been 28, might've been 25 schedules changed, but it was back to back to back. There might've been one night off during the entire series. Series directors knew that there would be some rainouts. That would be your time off. That's what made it unique. That's what drove the rivalries, and that's why they called it the Hell Tour, because it was hell to race back to back to back to back. So I'm a little frustrated with World Racing Group that you're taking a page from NASCAR, and it's almost like the stages in NASCAR just, well, they need some time off. Like tonight, they're not racing. I mean, it's it's July, what, 5th? It's a beautiful night. It's We're in the middle of the summer. Some of the longest days of the year, beautiful weather, and they're not racing. It's just So, you know, just kind of a, a bitch on my part. Uh, what changed? Well, maybe I'll, I'll, we'll leave that question for you, Bert. You, you go ahead. Well, I just first want to say I agree 100% with you. Um, the Hell Tour was called the Hell Tour for a reason because it was hell to follow that tour and compete night after night, you know, in a row. And um, I, you know, I understand why they're doing some spacing, but, you know, it takes away the Hell Tour name in my opinion and another thing about the hell tour is and i i realized this when the hell tour came to shano speedway i don't know it's probably early 2000s you know i was really excited the hell tour is coming to shano speedway and you know it was good but then when that day actually arrived i realized how few drive travelers actually showed up so the shows are actually reliant on the locals to make them a good show and for example, the Beaver Dam show that was last week, uh, I did watch that feature. It was actually good. The feature was actually pretty good. Uh, Heckiness was leading until he broke. Um, but there are only four Wisconsin drivers racing 
in a hell tour race in Wisconsin at a track that's kind of centrally located. I mean, it's not like it's on one side of the state or the other. Well, I mean, it's more Eastern, but it's, it's kind of central and, uh, and it's a beautiful facility. And then, you know, I saw some pictures and some video and the grandstands didn't look (laughs) very full either. And I mean, I have talked to the owners of the speedway in the past through my full throttle stuff. And uh, I mean, she definitely said that is a that is a sprint car fan base in that area. Um, so it's tough for them to hold um, late model shows. Now, they didn't host it. Uh, 16 productions, I believe, uh, hosted that show. But uh, well, that was Izzo know, that promoted that Hell Tour race over there. That was Tony. I believe so. Oh, really? Okay. Um, okay. So, uh, you know, you you rely on the locals to fill the fill out the field, and you also rely on the locals to draw fans in. But when you only have four Wisconsin, you know, drivers from the whole state of Wisconsin show up, you know, it, it's it's tough sledding from the get go. And who are the four that were there, I know that obviously uh, Mitch McGrath, because who is he's kind of following the tour anyway, so you yeah. kind of throw him out because he's following it. Uh, Paul Parker was there, Taylor Scheffler was there, and Bill Ratuztek. I, I know I'm mispronouncing it, but um, those were the four that were there. I mean, even Jimmy Mars wasn't there, you know, you kind of expect him to be there, so. Yeah, um, what's sad about that is, you know, Ryan, like we talked about, three, what is it, three tires a night? That's all you can get or something like that? I mean, they're... Well, they're yeah, they, they mark all four tires, right, at, at, at a qualifying, and the tires that you start with, you have to end with, and I think you can have one extra right rear, so there'd be a total of five. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah. they're trying to make it affordable for them, I mean, that was... Like I said, that was Nesbitt's big thing back in the 90s. Now, of course, the rules have kind of changed and stuff a little bit, but he always said it was UMP, the Summer Nationals, and UMP in general was kind of set up for the little guy so the little guy could compete. Like I said, I don't know enough about the rules right now, but, uh, yeah, that's that's tough there in Wisconsin. And I know from my experience, too, the Challenge Series came out to Montana in 2003 for a couple of nights. I remember begging you to come out, Ryan, at that point. But come see your relatives. But, uh you know, and that's sprint car country. And I remember talking to Stephanie, he's like, where's the crowd? I'm like, gosh, it just, this is sprint car country. They're just not in the late models out here. You know, and that comes down to promoting is really what it comes down to. Because, you know, first of all, you got the fan side of it. You got the driver side of it, right? And I've talked to several late model guys, not, none that are over in that direction, but I've talked to several late model guys. And I asked him, I said, so you got the Dakota Rumble coming up here, right? That's this weekend. We'll talk a little bit more about that shortly. And I asked drivers, I said, did anybody from Brown County reach out to you? Did they call you, message you, text you? Hey, we'd really love to have you. You know, what can we do to get you here? I talked to several drivers, zero. Okay, zero. Now, I'm I'm sure they reached out to a few, but guys, there's there's only a couple hundred late model drivers like in Wasota, right? I mean, if I was running that show, I guarantee you I would reach out to every single driver individually and just say, man, we'd love to have you out here. That's promoting. Why wouldn't you do that? Now, on the fan side of things, I don't know what they do over there, you know, but I know a lot of tracks. I mean, they don't even advertise, right? They don't even advertise. So I want you to think about this. I'll let both of you answer this. I may have talked about this on a previous show, but you take you take Beaver Dam, right? And there's a pretty good number of people in that area over in Beaver Dam. Now, Puka, you live in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. Okay. 
Now, if you went down and you talked to like several people in Grand Rapids that you know, how many of them even know that there's a racetrack there? Yeah, not as many as there should be. Because I'm here to tell you that if I moved, if I moved to a different area, right? If I moved to any area, let's say Grand Rapids or any track, any one of them is the same. If you're not already tied in with racing, how do you know about it? Because people aren't watching TV like they used to. They're not listening to the radio. You don't see flyers. People aren't out and about. When you post something on Facebook, nobody sees it. So what are they doing, right, to get people aware? Now, I was going to give a shout out later, but I'm going to do it right now. Bemidji Speedway. I saw a post on Facebook, guys. And, and the post was yesterday. And they had a, a, of course, it was 4th of July, right? So they had a 4th of July parade. And they had a bunch of cars in the parade. And they were posting pictures on Facebook. Literally, I'm sure there's other tracks. I would hope there's other tracks in the country that had drivers do the same thing. But literally, that is the only place that I saw that did it. The only one. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm pretty well connected on Facebook with racers and racetracks. I haven't seen nothing. That's, that's a way to get people aware, but nobody's even aware. So you take that whole promoting side. Now let's couple it with this. There's a freaking special every week, every week. So you take the hell tour. We'll circle back around to that. Well, you take all these late model guys, right? They got a 10,000 to win show here, a 5,000 to win show there. They got World of Outlaw. They got Lucas Oil. They got Lucas Oil MLRA. They got Dirt Kings. They got Tri-State. They got Wasoda. They got all this stuff, right? Plus all the weekly stuff. At what point are they like, we don't really need to go. I mean, we got all kinds of stuff going on. People pick and choose. There used to be a time when there was only X amount of specials available. And they were special because there were so few of them that people like, I want to get to that one because we don't get to race for this kind of money very often. Do you think that the maybe surplus of, of these so-called special events, which let's be honest, when you don't have enough cars for a B main, how special is it? Right. So I think we talked about this too, right? You got phone booths, B mains, you know, those kind of things of the past, right? Okay. Eight track, right. You can put B mains right in there. You don't have them, you know? So if, if you're not even having a B main, is it really a special? I mean, come on. I mean, it's a pretty cool deal, but what part do you think that plays into the fact that the hell tour is not as well followed. And then I'm going to end with this and I'm going to let you guys take the floor, but you talked about the different breaks in the action. Well, they, they end kind of right before the Prairie dirt classic, right at Fairbury. And then they got a couple weeks off because you ain't going to compete with the Prairie dirt classic in Illinois. It's 50 grand to win. Everybody wants to go there. And then next week's the USA nationals. And then they come back to, to the hell tour stuff. They should probably just end the Hell Tour stuff prior to the uh, Prairie Dirt Classic or make the Prairie Dirt Classic the finale to the Hell Tour, right? Something like that. I don't, I don't understand their whole marketing strategy here, but I'll let you guys take it from there and kind of give your thoughts on some of what I talked about. Go yeah, ahead. I mean, I agree with you. The fact that there's so many specials, I mean, uh, fans and drivers alike are going to pick and choose. Uh, you know, they have more options so that they can't attend all of the events. So they're going to pick and choose the event that they think there's going to be the most cars at, uh, the most action at. Um, actually, when I went to the Dirt Kings race at uh, Out of Gaming Speedway on Friday night, while I was in the ticket line, I heard some fans talking and they were talking about the Beaver Dam show. And one guy goes, well, this sure has to be better than Beaver Dam. They had 20, 
two late models and legends cars. And that was the entire show. So when that happens, you're actually turning fans off. You're not turning fans on, unfortunately, because, you know, like I said, I mean, the feature was actually really good at Beaver Dam. You know, it was good racing, but you need to provide more bang for the buck because there are so many options out there. That Western guy got plenty of bang for his buck. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember who the heck it was, but they got this from Oregon, right? That one guy. And, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, who uh, who uh, had him over? got that. Thomas. Uh, Kate yeah. Dillard. Un, un, Unziker or Thomas. Dillard. Are you talking about yeah, the Dillard, Dillard incident? Yeah, Thomas, Thomas Hunziker is what it was. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, Dillard got into was Dillard leading in that deal or was he running second when he drove he was running over the third? I think third. he was running third. Yeah, that, that did not end very good for the guy that made the longest trip over there. That was a bad deal for him. But uh so I mean that that's kind of the thing, you know. You see all this, and it's like people get raced out. You know, we talk we can talk about the modified stuff from this weekend when there's I think four or five shows going on in the same area that were all specials. It's like come on, you know, let's, let's put a, let's everybody work together, but nobody does that anymore. And, you know, I, I'd love to see it get back to when specials were specials. I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. Well, I, you know, and we've talked about this and, you know, I, I, I think, well, I think first off the hell tour, I don't know if it was necessarily for most of his existence, really a national where the, I mean, Moyer always ran it, mm-hmm. but Bloomquist ran a couple of years. You know, I, I remember, you know, the years I was started following kind of early nineties, Fry, Auckland, Moyer, those were kind of your stars. And it was, those were the top three points for about 92, 93, 94, 95. Earlier than that, Bloomquist kind of went in there. I remember uh, Tanner English's father, Terry English running. There was that Hill. Do you remember that Hill, Bert? Do you remember his name, Hill? Chris Patterson with a K, Chris number zero. I, I can't remember him. his name, but the Kosiskis were kind of in there. But now let me change gears to the, the specials. And I, I really think there was a time when NASCAR was super popular in the 70s and they said you could go to the events, you could have fun, you were there for a few days. I really think Dirt Late Model Racing is kind of picking that up. We've got Jackson, we're going to talk about this weekend for the World of Outlaw Late Models. Then there's a weekend off, off, so to speak. I mean, actually, we're the World of Outlaws are up here. Grand Forks on the 16th, I-94 on the 17th, Red Cedar on the 18th. So that's the next weekend. But then that's when we start getting into, then we're going Back to back to back, we're going. Did you I mention eight. Superior? Yeah, Superior during the week, but I'm talking the weekend here now because, right. like I said, these 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 three day late model events seem to be the ticket. Because, like I said, then we're going to get into on the weekend of the 24th, I 80 Nationals. You know, Crown Jewel next weekend, Prairie Dark Classic, Crown Jewel, Cedar Lake, North South, Topless, and then there's a new one. Let me see, I got it here on the schedule, the Port Royal Rumble. $30,000 to win. Then it's Labor Day weekend. So they get one weekend off. Then we get into World 100, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I almost see these big late model events getting NASCAR-ish. And I, we've talked about this before. Like if you're a promoter and you want one of these weekends, you gotta, you're, you're basically middle of July backward all the way to, well, all the way to the dream. And then the weekend previous to the dream is the uh, topless Memorial weekend. So I don't know if we'll ever go back to the hell tour as we knew it, two weekends. Two days, not three days. The three well, days are three days though now. Yeah, but that's a disaster, right? I mean, look at the USA Nationals, right? It's like half the people there on Thursday is what's there on Saturday. They, I mean, you know, you look I, at. I, 
Keep an eye. I want you to. This is. A, I have, keep an eye on all these big shows that have these three day weekends, right? Keep an eye on that, and I want you to look at what Thursday looks like. It's a ghost town in the grandstand. There ain't nobody there, right? So there's no reason, in my opinion, the two day deal's better. Like go back to back. Like Mississippi Thunder had two days, right? You know, you look at some of these two-day shows. I think the two-day shows are good. You know, maybe people come in the night before if they want whatever. But I, I think the three-day shows is almost too much. I mean, the fans, when you start talking $40 to get in the grandstand, it just kills the fans. And they're going to be like, well, we ain't going to go the first day. The next two days are going to be better. The big shows on Saturday. We'll go to that one. I think they're, they're again, they're biting off more than they can chew by putting these three-day deals on and, Plus, it's harder to keep up on the track when you have a full show three days in a row. What's going to be left of the racing service, you know? So I, myself, if I was a promoter, I'd like to see two-day deal. This whole three-day deal, I think it's just, I just don't like it. Um, you know, maybe a rare occurrence, something like that. But I don't know. I, I just don't think it's really all that good. Bert, what's your thoughts on that as a fan? From a, I was just going to say, from a fan's perspective, um, it depends on the show. But like, you know, I go, go to the World 100 pretty much every year. And, um, you know, we drive eight hours to get there. So if I can see three nights of racing, I want to see three nights of racing after driving eight hours. And then you have to drive eight hours back. Um, now this year, you know, working with vacations and stuff, you know, it's going to be four nights because they're running, you know, two of them. And it's like, okay, this is going to be a little bit more challenging. But, you know, so... But yeah, I mean, from a fan's perspective, I mean, even the, even the USA Nationals, I go there every year and, you know, I love to see three nights of racing, but I can see the, the point of view from the promoter also, because you are correct. I mean, Thursday, I mean, that's one thing at the USA Nationals, you get people coming in and they don't know what seats are reserved. So they're kind of Thursday night, you can just sit anywhere because, you know, half the people aren't there, but, you know, as the weekend goes on, then, you know, people are kicking other people out of their seats because they were sitting there the previous nights. And a couple of things on that, I think, and like I said, I don't mind it either way. Well, I guess I'd rather see more than less, but what I think is, and I'm not one of these people, but I think those people that camp, they love pulling in, setting up and being there for, you know, pull the trailer and be there for, they play bags, they do all that kind of campground activity during the day and everyone's happy and they're drinking, they're playing, they're doing all this stuff. But and I and the other thing is I think the I think that Thursday night show at Cedar and correct me if I'm wrong, Bert, if you know I think it only pays like six grand. I think they've got some the World of Outlaws at least I don't know about Lucas, but they six have some eight. sort of yeah, formula. Yeah, it's they're not paying a lot of money, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all works. But I I think the bottom line is I think Dirt laid them up the big show Pro Series if we call it situation is in a pretty good situation because it it you know and I didn't really think about it more until you mentioned the health tour and you know all the breaks they have to take because of all these big shows but i i see the big shows continuing and maybe the health tour is gonna gonna feel the squeeze over the next several years and maybe yeah be broken up to many many parts who knows yeah and and also, if it, go ahead Bert. also from a fan's perspective i mean i can remember the first year that cedar lake i mean i don't remember the specific year but i remember when the usa nationals went to three nights if i'm correct um one of the races at the masters got rained out. So they rescheduled it for that Thursday. And I remember when I heard that I was all excited because it's like, we can leave a day early and we can yeah. see another night of racing. Yeah. And, you know, my, the, my friend that I go to the race with too, you know, he was excited too, because, you know, we love the racing there. 
and we could see an extra night of racing for only 25 bucks or whatever. And now yeah. you look at it though, as back then when that first happened, there wasn't as many specials, right? I mean, you get right. so many more specials. So that weighs in. But again, I mean, the, the numbers don't lie, right? The numbers don't lie. I mean, all you have to do is count the people that are out there on Thursday, count the people that are there Friday and Saturday. It's a drastic difference. And on a business side of things, I, I just, it doesn't, I'm sure they make some money there on the first night, but the next two nights is just it, all that work that goes in the first night, just, just scrap that whole deal in my opinion, but I guess we'll see what happens. Ultimately, can you see the hell tour ultimately just cutting off right before the Prairie Dirt Classic and just not even having that second, you know, that second set of races after the crown jewels. I mean, that doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah, that's what I'd like seeing. I, I believe the Prairie Dirt Classic may have been a part of the Summer Naturals at one point. I mean, it's right, it's right there. It's at Fairbury. It's right in the heart of things. I'd have to kind of look back to see, but uh, you know, now that we're talking about it, you're right. That that should be the finale. Why not have that the finale? I mean, it's it's a World of Outlaw event. It's World Racing Group. Have that thing a finale of co-sanctioned World of Outlaws, UMP Summer Nationals, whatever rules package they come up with, go with it. Yeah, I totally agree. So there you go. So get that out to the World Racing Group because I think that'd be pretty cool to see. Puka had the idea. So let's get to some regional late model action. We had the Discount Shop House Dirt King Series had a pair of races this past weekend. And we have our expert from Eastern Wisconsin, Bert Lehman. That's your neck of the woods there, brother. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Uh, yes, I actually attended both of these races. So uh, um, Friday night was uh, at Auto Gaming Speedway in Seymour. They had 26 or 27 late models. So it was a good car count. And um, it was funny in the heat race uh well i was texting with with you guys and i think nick Avling started fourth in his heat race and um i texted you guys there's a high side so we'll see if nick goes up there and sure enough he he went up there on the first lap and he was in the lead by the end of the first lap so uh uh he does race on the high side now and then um but uh in the feature um the lineup for the feature had Nick Avalink on the pole. So uh, he's on the pole. So you think, well, okay, he, he's going to win the race, uh, but that's not how it turned out. Uh, Taylor Scheffler, who started started fifth, um, he was pounding the high side. There was actually a cushion. It stayed, the cushion stayed there all night. I, I thought it would burn off, but it stayed there all night. And he was pounding the cushion and uh, Nick would work through traffic and then Taylor would fall back. But once Taylor got through traffic, he'd catch right up to Nick. And then um, eventually uh, Taylor Scheffler won. And I mean, his car even sounded different. So I don't know if it was gearing, you know, you know, it sounded like it was really wound up. And um, <laughs> but this is just my personal observation. Uh, I think what played a factor in Scheffler winning this is the fact that he travels down to Fairbury and some of those tracks in Illinois, which are, you know, cushion pounding tracks. So I think he gained a lot of experience down there and knew what he had to do. And he was fast. Well, I know on the other side of Wissota, Bert, uh, when you get over to the tri-state area, okay, they kind of have the similar rules package. They can run the big motors, the Wissota motors, the big motors need a restrictor, okay? I'm not saying this happened over there in eastern Wisconsin. I'm not saying it happened. But I know on the west side over there, 
some of them big motor guys maybe are playing around with them restrictors a little bit because they haven't been teching them. And if that thing sounded like it was wounded up, was Scheffler running an open motor with a bigger restrictor than he needed? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not I, I have no. I have I'm no idea. I'm just, I'm just saying what I heard. And um, so we're, we're back to teching. We're back to right, teching. Right. I mean, the so, last three episodes have been all about teching. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, I mean, hopefully we can hear from somebody in the Dirt King series if they actually check the restrictor. I'm assuming he has an open motor in there because he runs down to Illinois. I'm guessing it's not. Well, I mean, I'm assuming everything was legal. I'm just saying. I mean, I mean he was he was wound up on the high side. And well, he, he was, was pretty dominant when he got I out mean, front. There was no nobody catching him. I mean, he. I mean, he proved to be the best car in that yeah. feature. I mean, he, so even what, though Nick. Even what though Nick, saying is if if he passed animal, he's cheap. <laughs> really? Is what no, saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> Scheffler was fast and uh it, it was fun to watch both those drivers work through traffic I mean actually when Nick got passed it was a little li he got a little un unlucky because they were coming out of four and there were three slower cars three wide right in front of Nick and Taylor got on the outside of all three of them and then it was kind of over after that so and you're are you saying that most of these guys at one point you did most of them run a Wazota engine is do you think that's still the case um, I don't know. I wouldn't say there was soda legal, but they're similar to a soda. Um, okay. Gosh, we just cannot grab any besides Nick. You just don't grab a Berna maybe once in a while or a Springboard. But man, they had a nice field of cars and, you know, the, the Red Clay Classic, some of the stuff at Cedar, like I said, the, the legendary, because I know you said usually after Labor Day racing kind of shuts down over there. Gosh, yeah. be, you know, even the Punky, it'd be nice to see more than just three of those oh. cars. I mean, I can remember, well, I mean, this was when Eastern Wisconsin was still with soda, but I can remember years at Punky, there'd be 10 to 13 Eastern late model drivers at the Punky. And, oh. you know, there'd be five to eight at the Wasoda 100 at Cedar, when it was at Cedar Lake. Um, those were the good old days. <laughs> and, and well, just so you know, Cedar Lake's rule package is very similar. They run, they can run the open motor with a restrictor. Now, yes, yes. Yes, well, that's similar. They still have that. But of course, Red Cedar... They have the, the Mater Memorial coming up, and that's over, what is it, 15555 to win. Will we get maybe a, a couple, Berna, Springborn, Anvilink? Will some of them guys look at that and go, they can groove their tires now, right, because of the, the tire shortage. Are, are they going to maybe come on over and try to race that deal? And I remember Nick Anvilink's had some success up in Ashland as well, yep. and they've had some, some specials up there. I guess time will tell, but uh, there was another race. So Scheffler won that, and then they went, where did they go on Saturday? They were at Shino Speedway on Saturday, and I'll just say it, it it's a little disappointing. Um, only three Plymouth cars showed up at Shino Speedway for a Dirt Kings race. Um, you know, we've always, there's been, t I, I will say one thing, though. This race was originally scheduled for the previous week, but it got rained out, so maybe some of these drivers had 4th of July planned since it was on a weekend. So I'll give them a little bit of slack, but it, it's disappointing that only three Plymouth cars um, went to Shano Speedway for a Dirt Kings race. I mean, when Shano Speedway went unsanctioned the previous year, they would get about the same number of Plymouth cars showing up for these, you know, type of, of deals. Um, so in this case, does a sanction even matter you know <laughs> in this yeah. case it didn't because you didn't draw any extra cars um but the racing was still good 
uh, we had a bit of an upset. Um, Kyle Redant, um, he was also pounding the cushion. Uh, there isn't a cushion at Shano Speedway all the time, so it was good to see one. And, I mean, he deserved to win that race, too. I mean, he was fast up on the high side, and he hit his marks every lap. So, uh, you know, congratulations to him. Uh, he won a Dirt Kings race the previous year, but that was at Gravity Park which is a really small track. And we've had that discussion before. I really don't think it's a late model track, but uh, it seems if you start on the front row, you're going to win at Gravity Park. But uh, well, it was that, a good win for for that, That's for the Kyle win that Redan. pushed him into the power rankings last year, right? Redan showed up in the power rankings later in the year, right? He had yeah, he won. Three together. Yeah, yeah he, he won at Gravity Park and then he won uh, two regular shows at Shano Speedway last year. Um, but he likes the first of the year, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. He's he, and he admitted it in victory lane. Uh, he struggled early this year. So uh, he was really excited to get this win. Yeah. That's good to see. Now what, it, what surprised me, Bert, I looked at the points in Anvilink's leading, you know, he's had a good year. He's leading, but he's only four points ahead of Ron Berna. I, I thought he would have been further, but Berna has two um, wins also in the series, right? So doesn't Anvilink have two and Berna has two? Um, I'm not sure on the, on the win total, but that sounds correct. Yeah. I'm not sure how their point standings work because yeah, they, they went through the top four or so before the feature and yeah, they're only separated by single digits in, yeah, in the point. So that's close. So Berna quietly is having a good year. He, he of course won, what was it? The, the shepherd, the shepherd tribute race, right? Yeah. He won that. And then he won a dirt Kings race. So Berna, he's yeah. actually, quietly been really good ambling has been the guy we're talking about all the time but ron Burnett's a guy maybe to keep a little bit of an eye on out east and and earlier in the show you were talking about longhorn chassis uh berna has a longhorn chassis that's okay. what he races so actually uh he bought this i'm assuming this is a, the same chassis that that he's racing but uh at the end of last year he posted a picture i just picked up my my new chassis well it wasn't brand new but uh, it had uh tim Tim McCready tin on it, so it. I'm assuming it's an old Tim McCready car. Yep, that's what I'm <laughs> guessing. Horns up, baby. There you go. I mean, that, that's <laughs> a local scene there. Now this week, let, 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 Mississippi oh. Thunder, so that's going to be pretty cool as well. Yeah, yeah. Just, they go. Oh, go ahead. Okay, I just, just want to make a well. Yeah, okay. I just want to make a comment. Two things. Um, I'm going to spread a rumor in a second here, but I've been saying for the last couple of weeks or a couple of shows that Ron Berna, and I think I said this last week and Ryan at one time was leading the challenge series after watching the race. It wasn't Ron Berna. I believe it was Tim Bueller. And can you back me up on that Bert, that there was a time 15 ish years ago where Bueller was following that challenge series and he actually led the points yeah. for, for a point. Okay. It was not Ron Berna. He, I was close he, to the beat. I mean, Berna, actually, Bueller. He actually won a Wasota late model race in the Dakotas, I believe. I'm not sure where, but uh, it, that, it was somewhere that. out west. But yeah, I mean, Tim Bueller used to travel a lot. Um, well, I mean, he's from the Fond du Lac area, and he would race in Antigo on Friday nights, uh, camp out, race at Shano Saturday nights, camp out, race at Seymour Sunday nights, and then drive back. I mean, that was his weekend the entire summer for years. <laughs> Big time. So, and the other rumor I had, so Scheffler didn't show up on Saturday night. Correct. After winning on Friday. So the rumor Correct. has it, he married Bobby Pierce's sister. <laughs> Spreading a rumor. No, no. <laughs> nice, he was at nice. the wedding. 
Nice. Maybe he was the best man. I mean, he was at the wedding. That's all I mean. Oh, boy. All that summer nationals time he spent, I'm just saying. It's getting me. I can put an end to that rumor. Taylor's got a girlfriend, and that's not who it is. So I'll, <laughs> I'll put an end to that rumor. There you go. So really quick, we'll touch on the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars this weekend. They were at the Cedar Lake Speedway for a pair of races, uh, the Independence Day Spectacular or something like that. And I tell you, the the uh, Brad Sweet, right, he's been just unstoppable. They're five in a row after this weekend. Now, the first night, Friday night, I didn't think he was going to win that one. He was right, you know, he's in second. Looked like the race was over. They were coming for the white flag, boom, yellow. Another one of them in late yellows, but it was before the white flag even. Green, white, checkered, he got it done, and then he kind of dominated there. But five in a row for the yeah. big Brad Sweet, 12 wins on the year. He's way ahead, I think, of everybody else. I don't think anybody's even close on the win count in uh, the world of outlaws. He only got a standalone show this week um, up in Wilmot, which is like literally only an hour from me. I probably should go um, <laughs> close, but I probably won't. But uh, needless to say, pretty good racing. I noticed the track seemed like it had more moisture in it at Cedar Lake than it normally does. So they can actually get moisture in the Cedar Lake Speedway. That was kind of good to see. And uh, the crowd was not what I would have expected for a World of Outlaw Sprint race. I mean, over the 4th of July weekend, I don't know, maybe these tracks got to kind of rethink this 4th of July stuff. I'm not sure because, I mean, the crowds are pretty tough to get, in my opinion. I'm a race fan. I like watching it, but pretty tough. Yeah, I, I, that's what. If, if you were there, please comment because you know at least on Saturday I thought at least the backstretch one looked pretty good. I didn't pay enough attention to the parking spots, but uh, like you said, Ryan, I mean the track. You know, Macedo led most of the laps both nights, and on Friday at least they started right on the bottom, and then they worked their way up. And I can't remember who was the first one to get up on top and and made some ground. But yeah, I thought a pretty good show. You know, you don't have a lot, of, a ton of local stuff. There's just not a lot of sprint car racing in that area. But, you know, the World Outlaws are fun. You know, they, they got on the hammer. You know, they had to get around that place. What are they saying? Like 11-second laps or something like that. Yeah, they get it all in a hurry. I mean, you never really have a horrible World of Outlaws sprint car show. I mean, they put on some good shows. It probably wasn't, like, in my top three as far as best of the year. It was pretty good racing, but uh, dominant over there is sweet. Bert, anything you want to add on the sprint cars, or should we keep on rolling? You can keep on rolling. <laughs> so, well, I, had one, I had one comment, Ryan. One, so, Gravel's 94 points behind brad sweet after that so we each weekend but donnie shots 230 out now sixth place we're we got the king's royal in two weeks i don't know if donnie shots ever been 230 points out of first just i mean an arrow shot away from the king's royal at aldora well last year there was like three or four drivers all within a hundred for the better part of the year right and this year sweets just you know and what's crazy is if you look back it doesn't seem like he's been that dominant lately you know, he's been good, but I think he's just consistently there, and he's got himself a pretty nice cushion. You know, a lot can happen. We're still early in the year. We're only It's only the beginning of July, so a lot can happen, but he's in the driver's seat right now for another win. So let's get to some who's hot and who's not. Of course, brought to you by our friends over at L&M Radiator, who could take a quick second. Tell, tell everyone about L&M Radiator. Yes, we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks. Masabi.com, M-E-S-A-B-I, will have – the masabi.com down in the show notes show links you can go ahead and just click over from there if you haven't heard jobs 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 they need people right now they're looking for for 
floor people. They're looking for someone in human resources to help out. They're looking for a ton of welders, drafters. There's all kinds of jobs. It can be a full-time job. It can be a part-time job. It can be just summer help. You don't need to be a two-year, you don't need a two-year degree. You don't need a four-year college education. They will train you. And Ryan and I know not only is the plant a mile from Hibbing Raceways, you can come up and, and, and work where you play, but it's a family-owned company. You can have a long, nice career at LM Raider. So go to masabi.com right now, check out what they have, and you get your application in right there. Absolutely. So, Bert, we're going to start with you. Welcome back again. Who do you got? Who's hot? Um, I'm going to uh, say B Shep. He's won some Hell Tour races. So, uh, He's not getting the victories on the outlaw tour, but he's, he's racking them up on, on the health tour. So uh, um, I'm going to list him for one of them. Well, you got anybody else? Who do you got? Give us, give us your list. You got, you got a couple. Well, well I mean, obviously you have to go with Brad Sweet. I mean, you win that many, you know, it's hard not to go with, with Brad Sweet. And then I'll go locally on my side of the state. Uh, you know, Kyle or Dan, he won at, uh, at Shano Speedway and he finished, um, fourth in the race at Seymour so you know a win and a top five that's in one weekend that's a good weekend for somebody who's been struggling all year absolutely Spooka who do you have who's hot well Tyler Kittner just continues to perform I know we've talked to sound like a broken record with him talking about him a little bit Chad Finkbone can't keep him out of victory lane either we talked a couple weeks ago what a big deal it was when Dalton Carlson beat him and the crowd was kind of the biggest reaction in the crowd because he finally got beat and then I'm going to go with my one of my picks for last weekend was the beer fly. That was my guy. And, you know, he got her done on Friday night and a good second place run on Saturday night. So a guy that's uh, pretty hot right now, who you got? Yeah, he looked really good. I tell you, you know, he's up in the top 10 in the power rankings too. And, you know, I think he's probably got, he's got way more wins now than he had last year. I think he's at like six or seven on the year. Delphi had a really good weekend over there. So I had Brad Sweet as well. That's one of them. I have five straight at Cedar Lake 12 on the year. Then I'm going to go to Cole Searing. I mean, two more wins this week, guys. He's at 12 wins on the year. Now, huge week, huge week this week going into the Rumble, right? Now, if you remember, last year, he was only like his third race in late models. He almost won that deal. He got inside Becker, and I think he rolled his nose underneath. Becker won it. Becker did pass him and won from 10th at Aberdeen on, on Friday, though. So the one race that he lost this weekend, Becker passed him at Aberdeen where the Rumble is. But uh, Cole Searing's been hot. Ashley Anderson is the other guy I have. Now, he really hadn't left Menominee and Cedar Lake. He has all top two finishes all year long. And I got a little grief when I put him number one in the power rankings. People are like, oh, man, how do you put him ahead of Shane Sabraski? Well, look at Superior this weekend at the Gondekla Speedway. End of discussion. End of discussion. He went there. He got second the first night. He won the second night. He left home. He competed. He performed at a high level. Ashley Anderson ultra fast in the 81 he's hot Bert who's not um I'm just I'm gonna try to do a funny one for who's not uh any driver that I seem to pick in in our picking game is not hot (laughs) (laughs) I I tell you though you're second you're still sitting so I mean maybe maybe if you said any driver picks not hot because he's down he's he's in last right now so so who else you got there you got anybody that's, else? that's all i got for now that's all you got all right Puka, who do you got on who's well, i'm gonna t- turn back to the hell tour just a little bit now he did win a race last night i can't remember if it was mlra or mars or something like that but billy moyer jr billy moyer jr has been on the hell tour pretty much well like i said he wasn't all of a sudden this weekend but 
you know, he, and he's been qualifying. He's running. You know, he's, he's starting like top six and he seems to go backward every night. So definitely cool. Mike Marlar, another guy that I think some of us would have thought, God, here's a guy decides to run Lucas, make a run at the points. You don't even hear about him. Uh, I know he, he, the way me think of him, he caused a caution on Saturday night in the Lucas race. Like, oh yeah, there's Mike Marlar. Like, what, you know, so completely cold. He was cold at Eldora. Um, and then <laughs> a guy that I've been picking a lot for our pickums and it hasn't been getting me anywhere, Sheldon Hottenschild. Last win, June 20th, they say, well, Puka, that was just June 20th. It wasn't that long ago. Remember, two weeks away, that big swing with, with Jackson and Husitz. And then he moved right over to Cedar Lake. And, and you know, so, I mean, on that tour, you need to be win. Like I said, Brad Sweet, that's kind of, I mean, you need to win every like fourth or fifth night if you're going to contend. And he continues to slide in the points there. So, and like I said, he was kind of heating up there in May and June. And I really thought he was going to make a run at things. So, definitely cool. I'm going to stay away from him in our picks for a while. How about you, Ryan? You find the track that put a lot of moisture and a cushion on. He's your guy. You get rid of yeah. that. He's not your guy, right? So I'm going to start with Jimmy Owens. I mean, he flat out dominated Lucas Oil last year. What did he win by like 400 points? It was just yeah. insane, right? Zero wins in Lucas action this year. I mean, he's got a few wins, but nothing in Lucas. I mean, so Jimmy Owens is just, can he turn it around? The question is, can he turn it around? The Rockets have all been struggling. Let's be honest. Even Brandon Shepard in the house car. They've been struggling. Either he's going to turn it around or he's going to be switching chassis brands, in my opinion. Another guy here, back to late models, Jeff Massingill. Okay, so he ran good. He had a third-place finish at Fergus. Then he's right in your backyard there, Puka. He started on the pole in Grand Rapids. He got fourth. Yeah. There's only 10 cars there. It's a regular show. And, you know, I, talked to, I didn't talk to him, but some people affiliated. And they said, well, it was kind of one-lane rubber. You started on the pole. Right. If it started on the pole, I mean, come on. Right. So, I mean, I can see getting second, but then he got passed. He fell to third and then he slipped up and that Provenzino kind of used him up a little bit, got by him and he got fourth, but he left the door open. It was his own fault. If you want to be considered a top echelon driver, you can't go from first to fourth on a regular show. Pick it up. Come on. Turn this thing around. Now, Johnny broke. Speaking, we'll stick with Grand Rapids. He won the last two years. He won the border battle. Right. So he, I'm like, Man, this is, I mean, he ran good. He won it from deep. I think it was like from 16th or something two years ago or last year. So, I mean, he's fast enough, but he just has not been good. He had a couple good races in a row, but this weekend he started, I think, fourth and got ninth on the first night. He got 13th on the second night. And other than a couple races, he just, he's been a non-factor all year. He just, yes, he has a few wins around Grand Rapids when there's only a handful of cars, right? but he just has not looked like the 45J that I expect to see. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if they're listening too much to Stremi down at Lethal. I don't know if they're the test dummy. They're like, try this, try this, and it ain't working. They just need to go back to the basics because he's he needs to pick it up. They got the Advantage RV Mod Tour coming up this weekend. This is a weekend to turn it around. Let's get with it, Johnny Broking. Now, let's get to the last lap brought to you by Zuli's Race Engines, and a, and a few wins there really quick. Kyle Jeanette won in the street stock at Tomahawk. Rodney Hunter out in Belgrade, Montana at the Gallatin Speedway. Warren Poirier, um, Jr., I should say, in Rapid City at the Black Hill Speedway. And a pair of wins. This one's pretty cool. Andy Rosso, a pair of wins. Now, what's cool about that is he not only has Zuli Race Engines, but he has an aero chassis, right? Ooh, He's got deadly combination. combination, deadly. right? The, He's got the one-to-go-show combo pack right there. Rosso with a pair of wins. 
So let's get to some, you know, any short shout outs, closing thoughts, anything that sticks out to you guys that maybe we didn't touch on that you're like, hey, I want to give them a quick shout out. I got a few. Got any, Bert? Um, I'll, I'll just give a shout out. Um, uh, I haven't been on the show for, for a few weeks or maybe a couple months. I, I don't even know how long, but I know you guys have discussed the no fault rule a lot. And there was an incident at Shano Speedway this last uh, weekend where uh, showed how the, um, when you actually blame an, blame an accident on a driver, how it, how it helps the other driver. You know, you don't punish everybody. Because uh, there's an incident in the modified feature where uh, the leader slid up and, and caused an accident. Mike Mullen was uh, also involved, came to a stop on the track, uh, but Mullen, uh, the other driver was called for the caution. So Mullen got his spot back and won the feature. Now, if it would have been a no fault rule, uh, he would have went to the back like the other driver. And I actually, I think he would have still won the feature, but <laughs> that's another, that, that's a story for another day. Puka? Yeah, yeah, I got, uh, so yeah, like I said, cowboy, whoo! Up, you know, I mean, that was great. You don't see it down at Deer Creek. How about Brock Grunwald up in Norman County? got her done and then kind of an odd one but daryl nelson i believe finally on the charts got his was that his first modified win of the season out to red cedar speedway on friday night yeah he's only got three or four shows in it and i was i was shocked to see him down there I'm like yeah the border valley's down there but his kid was racing go-kart so that's why he went there he went back to superior there on saturday but yeah the hermitown hammer park in the modified in victory lane um Hey, the Sheriff John Canta, who was so close at Cedar Lake, that's his first of the year. Really cool seeing the 85 find victory lane over at the Red Cedar Speedway. Justin Vogel. So they had a Stephens Street Stock Tour race up at the River City Speedway in Grand Forks. They had a back row challenge, an additional $2,000 if he won on top of the 1000 if he won. And he took the back row challenge. Now, he didn't get it done. He ended up DNFing. But how cool. He's always the guy that's like, you know what, I'm going to try to put a show on for these guys. I'm going to try to make it happen. I'm going to give him a tip of the hat for at least trying to make it happen to do something exciting. Johnny Carter with a last corner pass for the win. So it was exciting nonetheless. And then I talked about the Bemidji Speedway with the, the promoting aspect and having cars at the fair. That was pretty cool. Kevin Buzzy Adams. He don't race much, right? He doesn't have many shows in, but when he does, you know it because he had a big payday at Jimtown. I think it was like 5000 and change to win. And then he won at Rice Lake. So two more wins and two races for Buzzer. And then the Hibbing Raceway. Pook, are you going to Hibbing Saturday? Not Saturday. Not Oh, Friday. <laughs> Friday. Yeah, I better get that right. I got to look at my notes. It's a rare Friday race at the Hibbing Raceway. Fireworks after. But what's cool, guys, is they have a, a pit party, right? So afterwards... There's several sponsors, and I, I don't have all of them. I know that Palmer's Tavern, who is an avid supporter of dirt track racing, they sponsor a ton of cars. They sponsor the racetrack. They help a lot of people out, but they're putting together a post-race pit party. So save your wristbands after the race. Get down to the Kittner camp, Tyler Kittner, Jay Kittner. They're going to have food, a barbecue. They'll have plenty of beer. It's going to be a good time. And that's the kind of stuff that the sport really needs. So if you like you know, the after party, and get to the hitting raceway because it's going to be good Friday night, not Saturday night. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, Trevor Sauer, I want to give a shout out to him. They had the Mark Gear Memorial Race in Wilmer. So at the KRA Speedway in Wilmer, they had a pretty big Superstock special. 
man, the KRA Speedway, guys, I used to race there every Thursday for a few years in a row, and it was a four and a half, five hour drive. And, you know, I think back, they really lost a lot of key people over there, you know, over the last just handful of years. Lane Roberts, of course, you know, Mark Gear, Charlie Nelson, who made the most amazing trophies on planet Earth. Jeff Isdall, they just had a memorial. It's like, man, they just keep having memorial races over there. Soon, I hope, hopefully that's the end of that, right? Because uh, they've already had enough people they lost. But hats off Trevor Sauer. Now, you remember the name Puka Rob Cahill? Oh, yeah, I remember. He was involved. Didn't he own the Joey Jensen late model, the Zero, or had the, owned the motor or something? No, no, I think that's a different guy. Um, so Rob Cahill ran. He had a, like a trip. I don't remember what it was for. There was a, he had like a charity card. He took all of his winnings and he would give them to a charity. I should know this, but I don't remember. But his kid races one of them non-wing sprints. And he took a wild ride this past week. And I saw video and pictures and he went over. I think he maybe broke his wrist or something. I know he was in the hospital. Sounds like he's on the men. You know, we just want to give our thoughts to him uh, on a speedy recovery. And then, you know, there's, there's a lot more. We could sit and recap stuff all day long, but be sure to catch the buyracerts.com one to go show power ranking shows. They come out a couple of days after this for a full recap, of course, on all the local racing. Touch on that. But guys, let's get to our picks of the week. So if I said, look, here's the deal, right? You got one person to pick. Okay, let's let's start with this. Okay, we're before we get to the pick of the week, we'll let's recap where we're at. So I got one right with JD at Portsmouth. Puka and Bert. You each got one right. You had T-Mac this week on, on his win. Jeff had sweet day one at Cedar Lake. Keith, who we've been picking on for a while, right, because he can't get nothing right, but he got two of them right, right? So he got sweet and JD. And then Pete, basically what we need to do is if Pete picks them, we need to stay away from them because he can't get nothing right. And so the standings is I'm at 16, Bert's at 12. Jeff is nipping on the heels of Bert. He's at 11. Keith moved into the four spot, one spot ahead of you there, Puka. He's at seven. Uh, you're at six, and Pete's at four. Now, we're this week, we're picking the World of Outlaw Sprints at Wilmot, the World of Outlaw Late Models, both nights at Jackson, and the Lucas Oil Lakes at Cherokee, and both nights at Smoky Mountain. We'll post a picture of it here for you guys to see of who we're picking. But now, let's get to our sure bets of the week. Okay, like I said, if, if we had to put a million dollars on the line, it doesn't have to be one of the races we're picking, just any race, okay? But if I had a million dollars on the line and I said, you get one pick, one pick, and if this guy wins, bam, you get a million dollars. The Winston Perfect. Million. The Winston <laughs> Million. Yeah, we'll call this the one to go show million. So, Bert, okay. who do you got? Um, I'm going to go, it, it's kind of a, a surprise pick a little too. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Dale McDowell wins the first night at Smoky Mountain. It's not a That's bad a pick. place where he could get it done. I mean, he's been good down there. So I, che Dale I checked his schedule. He has it on his schedule. That's a, that's a good start. That's a good start. Who do you got? Becker. Chad Becker will get it done at the Rumble this weekend in Aberdeen. And I'd rather, I'd rather Kurt Gelling than Kevin or Kent Armet this weekend at the Rumble also. That'll get so you done. Cole Searing might have something to say about it. Becker, you know, he already has a $10,000 win this year. He's the defending champ of the Rumble. Not a bad pick. Guys, I am going to say this. Brandon Shepard is going to carry the momentum from two back-to-back -back wins in the Hell Tour. He's going to carry that over to Jackson. 
He's going to double up this week at Jackson. He, but that's the reason to win one, but I'm picking B-Shep to double up. Keep an eye on the Rocket one. Yeah, I think he's coming around. He's heating up right at the right time. So now our must-see events of the week. And, you know, we got we got somebody else you want to mention here, right? Yeah. So who do you want to mention? Yeah, we got a new sponsor here, so RV Share. So we just, you know, obviously you two, too, coming off this holiday weekend and you saw people having a good time at campgrounds and campsites and say, geez, I don't have an RV, I don't have a fifth wheel, et cetera, but I'd like to have one, especially like we talked about, all these crown jewels are coming up, two- and three-day events, plus we'll get into the fall here soon. Those Auto 100, et cetera, Red Clay Classic, Funky Manor, Jamestown, all this stuff. Well, there's a – we'll have, again, down below in the show notes, RV share. So if you're looking just to rent an RV for two or three days, click the link below. You can check they have RVs, fifth wheels, everything. And also, if you have an RV and you just – whatever, for whatever reason, you're just COVID, whatever, you're just not using it, you can list your RV for list or, or excuse me, for lease on the site. So – Check the link below, RV share, rent an RV or lease your RV, kind of like an Airbnb. You can make some money on that RV or trailer that's just sitting in the yard because you can't use it this year. That's super cool. And, and the races we're going to talk about next, I mean, if you don't have an RV, check them out, <laughs> get an RV, go to the races we're going to talk about. It's a win-win for everybody. So we got, let's, let's give our couple uh, must-see events of the week. So Puka, let's go ahead and start with you. You know, what are your top, I mean, obviously there's a pile of racing, right? But what's your top three events of the week? Yeah, we are, I got my calendar. I mean, we are really getting into it. July is going to be a spectacular month for racing up here. Let's, you know, let's hope that the dry weather continues here. But of course the rumble, you know, the reincarnated rumble, like what came back last year, I believe, right? Was the first year in some time, you know, it's an event that I've been to outside 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 chance i'll get there because hipping's not racing on saturday i'd love to i actually checked on flights so there's a you know outside outside chance but uh, i'm glad the rumble's back and i think it's great then of course jackson unfortunately for a fan you know like for me it's about a five hour drive to each place so i think that's going to pull fans i don't think it's necessarily going to pull drivers in two different directions but unfortunately you know there's kind of a, a push and pull there for the fans but uh you know world-class facility glad to see the world of outlaws making their second appearance there and then kind of a weird one, well, I know we've talked about this on the show, the, uh, the, the trucks, the NASCAR, the Camping World trucks are at Knoxville. Now, remember, Tony and NASCAR are not getting along, so they pull the race from Eldora, and they decide to go to Knoxville. What was that called? The Mud Summer Classic. At least they called that for a while. They remember when Bloomquist ran it. So I'm going to kind of keep an eye on just the trucks down there, just to kind of see what, what's up down there, first trip to Knoxville. Who's up, Bert? I forgot about that one, so... Before we get that, to that's on Friday. So Jackson, just so you're in case you forgot, they got the World of Outlaw Lates, but also they have the repairable vehicles Tri-State Late Model Series there, right? Well, so they now, are the same night. They're doubling up like last year. Okay. Yep. Now what's they, interesting to me, right, is that southwestern Minnesota, and that's really not far from Aberdeen. It's kind of like on right. the you know couple hours. Now you got one of the biggest events in Wasota late model racing with a challenge series show on Thursday. And then you, which is a new deal, right? So they run challenge series Thursday there. And then they got the rumble Friday and Saturday. Now what's going to happen with car cone? Cause if you remember that tri-state deal over at Jackson really struggled for cars. The last time they were there, it was a bad deal. They didn't have many cars at all. So I'm curious to see how that's going to turn out. And then you look at the rumble you know, who are they getting, where are they going to pull from last year? And maybe it was COVID. I don't know, but only a couple of Wisconsin guys went. I'm, I'm, I know uh, 
Um, Massengill, he's going for sure for Thursday. And then he's kind of flipping a coin. Like he might go to Jackson and run oh. his open car and the Wasota car right. and run both shows. So he might, he might only go to Aberdeen for the, for the Thursday portion and leave. And then you got um, Provenzino that, you know, I, I think he got his hauler back finally. So I think he's planning yeah. on heading out there. But uh, I know rookie, a guy we talked about in the power rankings, Mike Reseth, who's leading the NLRA points. He's going to be up at the River City Speedway Thursday for the NLRA show. And then he's leading. He's going to the Rumble Friday, Saturday. So really, I was, was, was going to ask what the NLRA schedule is. So why are they racing Thursday up there? They got some. I really don't know. I don't know if that's a makeup deal or what's going on there, but it, it, it's unfortunate, you know, that they're running against that deal. I mean, I don't know how that all worked out or why, but it's just kind of an unfortunate deal. But, but, Bert, but Friday and Saturday, no NLRA? Correct. Correct. Okay. Yep. Bert, who do you got? Um, first, I just want to say, uh, Puka, you said uh, the Mud Summer Classic. That's what it was called until uh, Major League Baseball sued him because it was too close to the mid midsummer yeah, for the all-star game um <laughs> but uh anyway uh, my number one is also the rumble i mean the the history behind that race uh, i mean even me from eastern wisconsin you know i always wanted to know who was it who was racing there and who won well it seemed like joe Kreiderman won every year um <laughs> a lot of money out of south dakota <laughs> but uh so that's number one on my list uh, number two uh, Dirk Kings at uh, Mississippi Thunder Speedway because uh, a lot of Eastern Wisconsin late model drivers will race there. And it's always see, good to see them mix it up with uh, Western Wisconsin and Minnesota drivers who show up. It'll be interesting to see who shows up there, who goes to the Rumble and who goes to other races in the area. And number three, um, the World of Outlaw Sprints at Wilmont because it's in eastern Wisconsin, way down south, but still in eastern Wisconsin. So got to give some love to eastern Wisconsin. <laughs> Absolutely. So I got the Rumble as well. That's number one. I mean, that's a big, big event for Wasota Late Models. And, and I really hope that, it, that people go there and support it. Now, what's interesting on this is I saw a flyer. If you go on Facebook, you'll see a flyer for the event. And he had a little excerpt in there that said, and, you know, I really hope drivers support this and blah, blah, blah. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Okay, Terry, if you're watching this, Terry, okay, that's all fine and good. Put that in there, but pick up the phone, okay, and call these drivers and ask them to come. You can't just put something on a flyer like that. I mean, that's all fine and good, but if you want people to support the show, reach out to them. Reach out to them. I'm sure he's reached out to some, but like I said, there's only a couple hundred drivers in Wasota sanctioned for late models. Really, you should call every single one of them. This is a big event. That should absolutely have been done. I don't feel like it was. Now, if you're, I don't think this race is streamed either. So I don't believe it's going to be streamed by anybody. But, but, right, Chad Becker Racing, Cole Searing Racing, they always Facebook Live their stuff. So jump on Facebook. You'll probably be able to catch a little bit of that action. Okay. Hey, now, hey, did either of you see? I can change the subject here real quick. But did either of you see the the NASCAR race and at Road America? How'd that turn out? I, I did not see it. Okay. No, I, thought, I saw Elliot's kid won the Napa car, but that's that's okay. about it. Yeah, I did not see anything of that either. Now, the other thing I have on there is it's the Advantage RV Mod Tour swing, the I ninety four swing. They're calling it. Friday at the I-94 Sure Step Speedway in Fergus, Saturday at the Viking Speedway, the big half mile in Alexandria, 
Sunday at the Granite City Motor Park, just north of St. Cloud, those three races, I mean, you're, I'm telling you, the last swing that they had up in our neck of the woods was incredible. I mean, it was really good mod racing. I don't see this being any different. I think they're going to have some good cars. And number three on my list, I'm sticking with this theme. I've said it all year long. The Steffes Street Stock Tour yeah. does not disappoint. They're at the big old Ogilvy on Saturday. And what's interesting is they're at Granite City Motor Park on Sunday. So they're having, that's a, that'd be a good race to get to because they're having the Mod Tour and the Steffes Tour. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of a, that's, that's a pretty good entertaining show right there. Just them two classes alone. So get a hold of RV share, get your camper, head out to these races. There's going to be some good ones. Now, what's your guys' weekend plans? Um. As of right now, I'm planning to uh, go to Shano Speedway on Saturday night. So I'll go to Shano Speedway and uh, uh, keep track of what's going on at other places. <laughs> well, Thursday night, Grand Rapids, Friday night, Hibbing. I don't know. Now that, you know, boy, it, I'll tell you, like you said, you know, I knew the Jackson. I knew the Aberdeen. Then, like I said, I found out about the camping world. I remembered that the camping world, I mean, think about the fans in that area. And then you throw on. Like you said, over at Mississippi Thunder, that whole Southern Belt's got a lot of, of specials going on. And I believe Cedar Lake, it's a 5,000 to win modified race this weekend because they, remember how they did the 5,000 one night for Supers, Mods, Lates? I think that, and even Midwest Mods, I, I think that is this weekend because they're, I don't think they have the Lates because of the Mississippi Thunder or else they're just hoping for Lates and, and, and trying to really recruit the Mods. So uh, kind of a tough weekend on there, but gosh, it would be fun to head down. I've always wanted to get to Mississippi Thunder, but um, I guess we'll have to see, see weather and everything, but this 90 degree heat's kind of a killer. I'll know a little bit more in a, in a day or two here. I'm, I'm looking really quick here. Now that you mentioned that I'm looking because I don't believe there's no, they are having 5,000 modified risks here. Here's an example. Now you say, I wish I would have paid attention to this because it just makes me shake my head. Why would they do their 5,000 win mod deal against the Advantage RV Mod Tour weekend? Why, oh, yeah. why would they do that, right? Because that don't make any sense whatsoever. They, they should have flopped that for the week. I mean, I don't, I don't know what happened. I mean, I'm sure I know one of them had it scheduled before the other. I don't know who's to blame on that deal. It's just unfortunate because – we talked about this. There's all we, um, Puka and I, we talked about this last week. There's not many mods. There's not, not many modifieds out there, right? I mean, so, you know, it's hard to stack specials on top of specials. And, and that race had the potential to be really good, but it'll be really interesting to see how that all turns out this week. And I'm a little bit frustrated now that I saw that. Yeah, and they are and they are racing late models, limited lates, Midwest mods, pro stocks, late models, and 5k to win modifieds, 5k to win supers next weekend, 5k to win late models Saturday, July 24th. So um so really yeah. quick on that one, is it gonna be a Wasota guy? Can you see maybe a Ashley Anderson winning that one, or do you think it's gonna be one of the USRA guys come over there and steal the money? I don't think anybody's beating Ashley. The way he was coming out of corner two in Superior, oh, he got. <laughs> He's pretty you know, tough. It'll, it'll or, be. Yeah, you know, well, I guess well, yeah, Jake will be there. Well. I was gonna say Jake Tim would have a chance, but he's not gonna be there. He'll be on the late mile at the home track. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, what, Nora Sorensen. He'll be at the late mile at the home track on Saturday. Well, when is that? Dirk Kings is Friday. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, I'm correct. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. So yeah. So I think he'll probably be over. I, my guess is he'll be over there because there's no Lucas Oil NLRA stuff this weekend. Or can you see Jake Tam maybe hightailing it over to Jackson? Boy, that's interesting. I bet you'll be at Cedar. I think he likes Cedar. And, you know, because then they're going to be back there in a month or three weeks, whatever, for the Nationals. I think he kind of, you know, more seat time at Cedar Lake, the better. And if he doesn't go to Jackson, are they going to have enough for a full field? Yeah, that's interesting, especially that tri-state. I think they're trying to do the Cedar Lake model. The USA Nationals will run the national tour and we'll kind of get the local stuff. But I, I remember now that you said that it was very, very light, but that was COVID and everything. I mean, who knows? I guess we'll see. But like I said, a lot of racing south of, uh, or I guess, parallel to St. Cloud, if you draw a line across, a lot of racing south all the way to the Iowa border. Yeah, there sure is. So, guys, I tell you what, it's been great to have all three of us back here. Puka, why don't you go ahead and take us home? All right, everybody. So, as always, you know, we'll have the, our sponsor links. We want to thank everybody, Zulies, uh, Dirt Track Supply. I want to thank RV Share, new, new uh, Cowboy Up Racing. I want to thank uh, l &M Radiator. If you want to comment, the one to go show at gmail.com, the one to go show at gmail.com. Of course, you can hit us up in the DMs too on Facebook. That's an easy way to, to hit all of us. Uh, for Ryan Hill and for Bert Lehman, I am Puka. Get out there and be your dream. Thanks for joining us. You're tuned to the one to go show. A production of Gold Sports Media, LLC.